Happy Halloween, my ghouls! Oh my god, best day ever. I love Halloween, seriously. Sinister greetings. Bone-chilling tidings. Scare you out of your boots. Haha, <laughs> salutations. Hoping this episode finds my sweet blood donors at their spookiest of peaks. With goosebumps just right around that corner, right, right there, right there, look behind, no, look behind you. Yeah, right there, you got it. Extreme chills sneaking up behind you, waiting to claim the victim. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha good. You guys, thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow, and boy, do I have some amazing true tales dealing with the paranormal and supernatural to share with you on the spookiest of all days. So, okay, throughout the years on Halloween, besides sharing people's spookiest of tales, I also love to share some around-the-world celebrations. So, here we go. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So, in Mexico, they celebrate All Souls Day on November the 2nd. But celebration begins on October 31st, my friends. They go on for days. They honor their dead, believing they come back on Halloween. Many will make a special altar for that deceased loved one, oftentimes decorating it with flowers, candy, little trinkets, just sometimes, you know, pictures of them, things that they really enjoyed in life. They also leave behind a tub or a pail along with a towel or a rag so the deceased, get this, can tidy up afterwards. What kind of afterlife party is this? (laughs) Just kidding. I love the whole honoring the dead thing, obviously. I do that myself. Love, honor, respect, all of that good stuff. So, very cool. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I am totally ready to hop in into some pretty phenomenal stories. All true accounts told by spectacular people. First up... Take a listen to Brittany Barbieri's spooky tale. Brittany is a paranormal investigator best known for her recent work on Travel Channel and discovery on UFO Witness. She has been in the field for 20 years and works strictly in the field with investigative partner Ben Hansen. Brittany Barbieri here. I am a paranormal investigator who also does ufology and so many other areas of the paranormal. But the ghost story I wanted to share was something that was rather funny and just I love sharing this story because it just tells you to always stay alert even when you're in the field because anything could happen at any time. We went investigating a cemetery because of the legends about a vampire that comes and visits his loved one at a headstone every so many evenings and we went out to go and investigate the property. It was around 2 30 in the morning uh, started to unpack do our normal investigation started seeing odd lights around the cemetery which was very cool and then we got in the car to go down the other road i was driving at the time we come and we turn and out of nowhere next to an above ground plot i see what looks like the best way to describe it is a tiny little demon <laughs> i'm not kidding so i'm like freaked out because this thing was like full physical you could see it no nose all teeth just scary looking eyes thing couldn't have been more than two feet tall right and it was mad at me because my car lights hit it telling everybody i'm done that's just too much obviously there's proof that there's something crazy going on at the cemetery it's so late at night now and i it was the most freakiest thing that had ever happened to me in the field because i've seen things i've experienced things but this just completely threw me off of everything that i thought I knew about the field and I got home that night. Everybody's like, what did it look like? What did it look like? And I was like, I have to sketch it from my memory. So I sketched this thing out and they're like, oh my God, this thing is like a hairless little demon. This is disgusting. I'm like, I know, but that is what I saw. Flash forward two weeks later, watching the news, come to find out there is a family that lived across from the cemetery that owned a rhesus monkey. And if you've ever seen one, they look like little demons. They're hairless. They're cute as all get out as babies, but when they become adults, They are scary looking. And they were so happy that they had found their monkey because it had been living and frolicking in the neighborhood and in the cemetery for weeks. So needless to say, 
always trust your friends in the field when they say they see something they really did see something whether it was a ghost something from a different dimension or perhaps somebody's pet regardless always remember to trust your friends that's my fun scary little story I'm sure everybody has really spooky, scary ones, but I kind of wanted to give one that I really enjoy telling because you just never know what's going to happen to you in the field at any given time. I just love that story. When she said that she had a story that she loves sharing, I was like, okay, I was not expecting that. You know, who in the hell would think a monkey is on the loose? That's just too, too funny. I think that would actually make like a really good movie, right? Like this legend of a vampire and the cemetery and who knows probably there is something out there i love hearing legends and stuff so maybe i'll ask her about that later on but yeah i think it's really that would be really cool and then all of a sudden nice twist at the end there it's a monkey (laughs) in the jungle's heart monkey's playful spirit soars nature's work of art next up is steve kawamura For those who listened to yesterday's episode titled A Day in the Shoes of a Paramedic, I saved his spooky experience to be shared today on this ever spookiest of days. Steve has been a paramedic for his community in Canada for over 20 years, and he has appeared in an episode on the awesome TV show that is Paranormal 911, and he just released his very first book, so... Very awesome things happening with my friend right now. We went to a lift assist, and in the lift assist, probably old enough to remember, I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we go to that quite a bit, and we go to this woman's house. There's a bedroom off to the left, right? And I can tell you exactly how this bedroom looked. It was immaculate. It was a single bed. There was a a 12-inch cathode ray TV. There was a, a brass picture on top of that TV with a, a lace placemat. There was a hat on it. It was immaculately clean. There were books, a bookshelf behind the bed. The lace trim on the bed was evenly trimmed all the way around. There were bones on the window. And I could tell that this man was dead, that this was her husband, right? Yeah. And when I went into there, when I went in there, I got this feeling, get out. This is my room. Oh. And I looked around and I was like, yeah, this guy's passed away. So my, we already lifted her up. My partner's doing paperwork. And long story short, came out and said, hey, uh, facetiously, I said, hey, uh, who lives in that room? It's really clean. It's like, oh, my husband passed away. He's, he's really he's really meticulous. Life seems really tidy. So I, I keep it really neat in there, right? Mm. So my partner, James, I said, hey, buddy, come in here. And I stood on the opposite side of the room. It was a very small room, right? Yeah. And as soon as he walked in, see the look on his face and he said i gotta get out of here so i grabbed him and i pulled him in i said come on let's stay a few extra seconds right <laughs> he didn't want to he got freaked out and then when we looked at that room we saw like a dark figure from the outside we could see the window move oh wow and and anybody who's had a paranormal experience will tell you right it's like you can see these things you know, it's more evidence-based when you can see, like, the wind blowing on me on that one call or the TV turning off, right? But what gets me is that emotional feeling of, you don't belong in here, get out. Yeah. It was not a feeling of somebody's watching you. It was a feeling of, get out of my room. This is my room. You're disturbing me. That's wild that you felt that and then he felt that. And that, then you see this thing. <laughs> as soon as he walked in the room, and like I said, I'm a little bit of a drugster, right? This would have taken place after the, the paranormal one, right? That was on paranormal 911. Side note, the banker I've been dealing with for my aunt's estate is the grandson of that person. Now, being careful not to mention names, we had a conversation. And before his grandmother became severely demented, or suffering from dementia, mm-hmm. she used to see disembodied parts of her husband in that house. Really? Yes, because he was a very prominent figure around here in Hamilton. Okay. I cannot name. Right. Right? But anybody who grew up in the 80s would know who this person was. And when I saw his last name on his card, I asked if he was related. And like I said, he was the grandson. His grandmother... Before she ascended into her dementia, 
would see just his head, just his legs, just his body all over that house. That's interesting. And that call happened in, I think, 2007, and I, I, I just talked to him probably a month ago. Wow. So it's kind of weird. 16 years goes by, and I, I, like, like I said, uh, we had a, well, a cool conversation at his work at the bank. That is cool. Wow, small world. So really eerie stuff. Obviously, him and his partner both felt this energy, this presence, right? And then they see this dark figure. And it's wild that, you know, the woman was seeing body parts of her husband wandering about. Then so many years later, a decade and a half over later, this happens, you know, this chance meeting. So really interesting stuff for sure. Beneath the full moon, ghosts and ghouls in the night sway. Spooky chills consume. Get this. In Scotland, they have a rather interesting ritual. They toss nuts into a fire. And depending on what those nuts do, you may or may not be with the right significant other. Or should we say in some cases, unsignificant other. If they roast quietly, hey, you're with the right Romeo or Juliet. Meanwhile, if they crackle, break, make a fuss, or something else, you need to dump that zero and move on. Yikes. Harsh stuff. I would be curious to hear if anybody has actually ever partaken this ritual before and how it worked out for them. What were the results? Another thing that some would do is hang wet sheets in front of a Halloween fire and that the face of the young girl's soon-to-be husband would appear. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting indeed. Okay, my specters, the next person up is Richie Lee. Richie, he enjoys camping and traveling, trying out a bunch of new things, and he's a teacher, teaching those sweet kiddos every single day. Oh yeah, and he's my sister Casey's boyfriend, and he is obsessed with cats. He loves them, can't get enough of the kitties. Those meow sounds are compliments of my girl, Buttercup, and here's Richie's story now. Hey, so recently my girlfriend Casey and I spent the night at the Stanley Hotel up in Estes Park. Uh, we did not stay in one of the spirited rooms, as they call them, or did we stay on the fourth floor, which is supposedly that haunted, haunted floor. We stayed on the third floor, so I guess, you know, close enough. Casey had a few things happen to her directly. I'm sure she's going to tell those stories much better than I am. The only thing that happened to me that I can kind of say that was a little creepy was at night. You know, we were fast asleep, and all of a sudden I feel this icy cold chill on the back of my neck almost like somebody put ice on the back of my neck like that's how cold it was and it made you know i got the goosebumps on my neck my hair stood up it woke me up and as i'm trying to like logically think through what's going on i'm like wow it's like i'm not home okay i'm oh yeah i'm at a hotel I'm like oh i'm at the stanley hotel it's like okay that's a little creepy but i'm like no the odds of something happening to us the one night we're there probably kind of low so i just started thinking where the what was in the room i know there wasn't a fan there wasn't a window open and the only air in the room was coming from the other direction. And so I'm like, okay, that's not making sense. If the air was right behind me, I would have been like, okay, that was just the air, and there's nothing else to it. But I was like, there's no way that air just hits me at that one spot during the night and no other time that we've been there. So that kind of creeped me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't even open my eyes. I, I didn't look at my phone to even see what time it was, because at this point I'm a little freaked out. <laughs> And I just pretty much snuggled next to Casey the rest of the night and hoped whatever it was was nice and, and went away. That's my story. Definitely was an interesting experience. That's cute. I just snuggled with Casey. That's really neat. And I really like that Richie is a debunker. Like, we all know not every single thing is paranormal. There's sometimes an explanation. He, in his mind, was like, okay, th trying to think of different things. And so I like that. That's how it should always be. Always try to rule stuff out for sure. So it is really cool that they went there. They told me they went to the Stanley, that they were going, and I was insanely jealous, not going to lie one bit. It's forever been on my bucket list. One crazy thing that I always kind of remember about the Stanley is that when they were filming the movie Dumb and Dumber and Jim Carrey 
was staying there because they were filming some of that movie there at the hotel. And I remember hearing that one night he leaves. He was staying in one of the most haunted rooms. Can't for the life of me remember what number it was. He ends up running out of the hotel, refusing to stay another second in that room. They had to find another room for him. And they said that to this very day, he still has never shared what he experienced, what he saw, heard, smelled, whatever it may have been. He has never talked about it. Really would be interesting to find out what he exactly dealt with that night. And as for the cold spot that Richie experienced, I have been there before too. It just kind of knocks you right off your feet. And imagine you're sleeping, you know, you're just relaxing and your body's like, ah, you know, I'm not here trying to investigate or anything. I'm trying to sleep. And it just like, boom, wakes you up out of a dead sleep. It's that intense. So pretty cool experience for Richie for sure. Eerie night descends, ghosts and pumpkins, shadows blend, and Halloween begins. Okay, my goblins, my sister Casey is up next. Casey, she has investigated the paranormal with me in the past. She just published a book recently, and like her boyfriend Richie, she is a teacher. Here we go. I'm Casey, Tessa's sister. Happy Halloween, everyone. Just wanted to talk about a couple of things that happened when uh, my boyfriend Rich and I were at the Stanley Hotel. And so one was we were doing a tour and we were down in the tunnel underneath the hotel and there was no one behind us, but the tour guide was talking and then he was talking about something that happened to these two girls at one point in time. And all of a sudden, my purse starts lifting by my side, and there was nothing near me or nobody near me on that side. And I tried to recreate it, but I couldn't do it. It lifted a few inches, and that was very interesting. I hadn't had anything like that happen before. So there was that, and then another incident there was I had taken a shower, and you know how the mirrors fog up. Well, I looked at the mirrors and the door had a mirror on it and there was no fog. Well, I had gotten ready and used some of the mirrors to do that because I was doing makeup and stuff. And then I went to the door to open it like about 10 or 15 minutes after the shower and then the door was foggy. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if it was just a delayed fog or something, but uh, there was no fog on it before. So that was just pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, if you're ever around Stanley or Estes Park, it's a cool place. So I totally suggest that you all check it out. All right. Have an awesome Halloween. So I think it's really cool that both Casey and Richie had their own experiences. Richie with that cold spot and Casey with her purse moving and the mirrors so very, very cool. Next time they go, I'm definitely sneaking in their luggage for sure. Might ruin their romantic weekend, but <laughs> I'm going to Stanley, baby. Woohoo! They did share one more thing, and it has to do with a seance at the Stanley Hotel. So here we go. Okay, so this is Casey and Rich, and we also have a story about when we were at the Stanley. Um, we were doing a seance. And something happened with Rich, so I think I'll have him tell the story. So the guy that was running the seance asked everybody something personal about us, but we didn't say it out loud. We just kind of wrote it down. And then we had to give the guy a personal object of ours, so I gave him my necklace, which I never take off. But I was like, I guess here's the time to do it. And for mine, he, he started singing the theme from the Cats musical, which I've never seen, by the way, but he said I was obsessed with Cats, and honestly, I was shocked, because if you know me in real life, it's true. <laughs> and that's what he wrote on the paper, so... Yeah, that's what I wrote on my on my paper, which nobody else saw, and it was, it was pretty shocking to me, so I was like, oh my god. And um, there was some other stuff that happened, there was a, a doll's head that moved, and that was creepy. Yeah, like, um, I noticed that one, that was weird, because it was face towards the wall, and the guy running the seance mentioned it because someone else was saying oh dolls are creepy and 
Rich doesn't like dolls, so we were saying, yeah, they are pretty creepy. And then the guy said he has her head faced towards the wall for a reason. And then it was interesting because then I look up like in the middle as he's the guy is talking and I see that the doll's head had switched positions and she was then looking towards the group. So yeah, that was And whether that's real or not, I don't know, but that's scary either way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still terrified of dolls. Right. It was interesting. What else? You had um the bell ringing. Oh, yeah, the seance, yeah. There was, like, a bell, and he gave it to the girl next to me, and it. he asked her to ring it. No, did he have me ring it first? Yeah, you ring it Yeah, first. so I ring the bell first, and it made noise, and then he had the girl next to me ring it, and it made no noise. And then he was talking, but then, like, we looked underneath, and there were no, there was not a thing in the bell to make noise. So what did he say about the bell? Uh, it was supposed to be a dead man's bell i yeah. don't like only a dead person supposed to be ring it and when you turn the bell over there's nothing in it right um, and not everyone could hear not everybody it. could hear the bell actually there are other people yeah. who are with us from canada we rented a lot of people from canada apparently yeah. it's our thing <laughs> only like half the people heard it there was some other time where we heard voices where only half the people heard it it was cool it was cool yeah it was definitely cool and then also like there was at one point where there was uh, whispering, and it's not like a guy whispering, and um, it was interesting because, like, we were just, the guy was talking, and then all of a sudden, I heard some whispering, and I was looking at the people, like, around me, and they were just, and some of them were looking at me like, what was that? And then the guy asked us what was going on, and we told him, hey, there's someone talking or whispering, and it wasn't any of us, and the guy was like, did everyone hear that? And Maybe half of the room couldn't hear anything. Yeah. Definitely heard it. Yeah, whatever happened, it was a cool experience, and I'm still just shocked by the guy knew I was obsessed with cats. Right. And I purposely went in there with no cat anything on. I was like, just in case something weird happened. (laughs) He still knew I was obsessed with cats, so he wins. He won me over. (laughs) It was cool. Go to Stanley. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) All right, happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) Meow, and my cat Speaking of cats, my cat yelled at me like no one's business yesterday. So I thought it'd be appropriate to serenade y'all with a quick meowski orchestra. Here we go. Gato mucho loco in the cabeza. Just saying. Meow, meow, meow. Bats in the moonlight flight. Ghosts whisper in the cool night. Halloween's dark maze. In the Philippines, they celebrate All Saints Day and All Souls Day. On Halloween, the kiddos do what's called, and I know I'm going to butcher this, so my apologies, Pangang Aluluwa, going door to door where they sing songs in exchange for sweets and treats. Then, on the first and second day of November, this is when the families spend time together at the cemeteries where they clean and tidy up the tombs of their loved ones. This is the time where they also do any repairs or anything else that needs to be done. They pray for the deceased, and then they go home and eat this huge, beautiful, yummy feast. And they celebrate the dead and their lives. Very cool. Okay, my friends, my race, my dear friend, Mercedes Benedict is up next. She is a past guest of the podcast, as is Steve Kawamura and Casey Morrow. And she was featured on an episode of The Dead Files and is currently working on a documentary. Always such a busy gal. Always has a ton of things going on. Oh, yeah. And her husband does these incredible, phenomenal, impressive memorials. So here we go. I was thinking about one of the events that had occurred out on the property and then my mind started remembering something that occurred at work one time that scared me quite a bit. And 
And that was um, a day when I was given a, a client, a patient or a person, a person to work on. And she had been having some emotional issues and traumas. And that was always somebody that I would receive because I took care of people very well with those type of issues. So that was kind of a normal thing. And so I started working with this person. And as I began working with her, she was laid down and I was actually behind her with my hands cradling her neck and uh, working on the cranial rhythms. And and sometimes I'd walk around and I'd check on different parts, uh, like the feet, check the ankles and things that was like part of my work to check the different alignment of the body. So it was clear that she was wanting to have a cleansing. And so I began doing the prayers. And I said, do you mind if I do this prayer, some prayers for you? And she said, no, that, that would be great. And so... She got really quiet and she started breathing like really quietly. It was very interesting. And I was like, okay, something hit was changing. And as I, as I said, one uh, prayer that oh, basically says that if there's anything attached to her, that it's not allowed to be attached to her, it needs to be removed. And then all of a sudden her head spins around backwards very quickly and abruptly and very oddly like I don't even know how it happened actually the way it all happened is like next thing I know it's like her head just swung back backwards at me and this voice comes out that says that's not going to work something like that that won't work on me and I'm just like whoa like I kind of like went backwards myself and I'm like is that right it's not going to work on you and so I was just talking to it or her and I don't know I was I was scared but yet I was on my game at that time I was very very proficient in what I was doing and it still got his head tilted back looking at me and I say it, but it was that woman. And so I just proceeded to do the, the whole complete Lord's Prayer. And I, again, just requested anything to be removed and to leave. And I was very stern about it. And then her breathing stopped. The head started swing, uh, going back the other way, back to normal. And she started to cry. And it, it, it left. And she cried and she was thankful. But it was the scariest, it was so scary. I've never had anything like where their head, uh, someone's head just turns around like that, just like back at you upside down on the table. And I've never experienced such a thing like that. And it was, it was frightening. And it, but like I said, I was, I was very strong at that time in what I was doing. And so I know that. When she left, she felt better, and she went off and was with her group, her family. I did hear of a couple of things that possibly happened a week later, but we never saw these people again. I don't, I, as far as I knew, I did not see them in the office anymore. I didn't see her in the office, so it was very interesting, though, because. Like I said, that was my first time to ever, you know, deal with anything like that. What it felt like it, it to me, it reacted to the prayers abruptly and swung its head back, like it was demonic to me. And then how it released out of her. So it was a very frightening situation, for sure. Okay, head swinging around. That won't work on me. That's really creepy. When I hear heads swinging around, I totally think of exorcist Reagan, of course, Linda Blair at her finest. Mercedes is a rock star and no swinging heads was going to stop this gal. And it's amazing that immediately this woman is crying, probably from relief, like, oh my God, I could breathe again. I'm myself again. Very, very wild for sure. In the midnight's hush, tells of fright, a ghostly brush, Halloween's dark rush. Woo!
my phantom folk. My friend, Jeff Atkins, he has something to share. He is also a past guest from both my radio show and podcast, actually. He's also been a voiceover for me in the past. He is one of the founders of Detroit Paranormal Expeditions, and he has been on several TV shows. And before I play this, I just need to say that there is a little tiny bit of static at times when he is talking. And if I remember correctly, I was just telling Jeff this via text that I remember him talking about Beaver Island in the past and there was static when he was talking about that also. So very interesting. It's almost like the spirits don't want him to share this. That's what I think anyways, because, you know, this was years earlier when he was telling me about this. And when I heard the static just now, it really, boom, made me think about back then. I don't know. Take with it what you will. This is Jeff Adkins from Detroit Paranormal Expeditions. I'd like to share with you a story from northern Michigan, one of the most haunted places in the state. Off the coast of Charlevoix in Lake Michigan is a remote island called Beaver Island. It has three lighthouses on it, one of which is the South Lighthouse, or the Head Lighthouse as they call it. It dates back to the 1850s and has had many paranormal experiences, but the one that we encountered there is probably one of the strongest that I've ever had anywhere. We went there about midnight, and it was all locked up. The place is remote, it's closed, it hasn't been used in decades for anything. But they do leave the light tower and a small shack connecting the tower to the house open 24-7 for visitors. So co-founder of DPX and myself, um, Todd Bonner, we went to the lighthouse, and we took just 20 minutes of audio. And we didn't have any crazy experiences there at the moment. We did hear some sounds inside the house, which I thought may be an animal. But when we got back to our camp, we captured a absolutely amazing EVP, which is a woman telling us to get out. It sounds like something from The Exorcist. It's it's one of the most scary pieces of audio that I've ever actually heard. We were pretty freaked out, and there's no way off the island at all. So once you're on the island, you're there till the next day. There's only two ferries that run. It takes two hours to get to the mainland, or you can fly out on a Cessna. But if you're on the island in the middle of the night, you're just pretty much stuck there. So we stayed there, and eventually we got off the island the next day. Went home for a few months, everything was pretty much normal. I went to this small bar restaurant uh, in downtown Detroit. It's called the Huron Room. It's no longer around, but it was Great Lakes themed. And when I walked in, there was a mural on the wall of Michigan and the Great Lakes, and there's smaller paintings of lighthouses. And sure enough, that lighthouse where this audio was captured was on the wall. And so I said to myself, I kind of just muttered under my breath uh, what I heard that EVP. I was sort of just saying it to myself. And about five seconds later, the bathroom went dark. And I thought the building lost power, the light burned out, so I reached back for the switch, and the switch was down when I had just turned it on. This was a brand-new bar restaurant. And so as soon as I did that, I felt this sensation on the right side of my body, like there was a spirit just right next to my face. I got chills all the way up and down my body. I, I exited, I went right back to my table, and my hands were actually shaking when I got back there. When I played that audio for several of my friends, um, a lot of them ended up having bad luck, bad experiences that followed. So one of them had a bunch of car problems, um, had some relationship problems, and all of this started uh, after he listened to this audio. So I think whatever entity is there is very strong. Um, I think think it is malevolent. It's one of the most spooky places in the state. So if you're ever in Michigan, especially northern Michigan, make a trip to Beaver Island and check out the South Lighthouse. Get out. Usually if you get a warning like this, And if you are fortunate enough to hear it at that very moment, you are able to do so. Get out. Leave. Respect the spirit's wishes, right? Well, it's kind of hard when you are on an island with no way to escape. Like, you know, back in the day in Ghost Adventures when they used to do the lockdown... Well, if something actually really, truly bad happened, they had a way to get out, right? Well, no, not for for Jeff and Todd and the rest of the folks with Detroit Paranormal Expeditions, if they were there with him. Literally, you are on lockdown. You are on an island. There's no way to leave. So, and then it's wild that afterwards, the whole bad luck thing and the EVP... And even people who weren't there but heard the EVP later on via Jeff had bad luck. So 
I love hearing people's EVPs, but I'll let Jeff keep that one to himself. I don't need any more bad luck. But that is really, really wild for sure. Haunted shadows creep beneath the moon's watchful eye. Halloween's secrets! In Portugal, they have the Day of the Witches. Dai das Brujas. Kiddos, they go trick-or-treating, but it's not candy that they receive. Maybe they desire it, but they receive fruit, nuts, and bread. So that's kind of cool. They also will head over to the burial grounds and decorate the graves and leave offerings such as candy and flowers to honor the dead. Love it. Next up, my werewolves. I am going to read something that my friend Elizabeth Williams wrote out. And several years ago, we met when we worked together, and she is such a sweet gal, and we are actually meeting up for lunch in a couple of days to catch up, so pretty cool stuff. So this is what she had to say. It was an evening like any other for most people. For me, it was a little different. I was about 19 and in college. I was living on my own with roommates. For the past few nights, I had been going to my older cousin's house. His grandpa, my uncle, was sick. It was terminal. Tonight, something felt different. I, I could feel it. The air felt different. It wasn't quite ominous, but there was a certain heaviness to it. I felt it as I walked through the door. I sat in the living room, and visited with some family members, mostly just small talk. I think they could feel it too. Some of my cousins had just finished cooking dinner. Oh, the house smelled lovely for the most part. There was something underlying. It was something I had smelled before, but I couldn't place it. He had been fighting it, letting go and transitioning. After dinner, my cousin, who had been a caregiver to him, gave him his medicine. There it was again, that smell. The aroma from dinner, well, it was gone. In its place was the smell that I couldn't place. The air changed. It got so much heavier than before. It was time, but he fought so hard. We were all sitting in his room. One by one, we told him it was okay to let go. When it came to my turn, I told him it was okay. It was time to go. We all loved him, but it was time to go to heaven. The air felt weird. It was heavy, but my hands felt tingly, and it felt like a magnet was pulling on me in some places. Like I said, weird. I moved so my... Other family members could say their goodbyes, and the final person, his ex-wife, came forward. She grabbed his hand and told him they would be okay. She promised to take care of their kids. After that, he let go. That rattle is something that even the best Hollywood actor can't completely replicate. Afterward, the air changed again. There was still a heaviness, but it felt lighter somehow. It didn't hit me right away. The fact that I had just witnessed a family member take their last breath, it waited until I was driving. I managed to get home. When I came in the door, my roommate, Jay, saw me. I must have looked distraught. He asked me what happened. He worked at a nursing home and he understood. He gave me a hug. I went to my room and cried a lot more. What a day. I finally calmed down after crying to the shampoo bottles in the shower. I laid down and tried to fall asleep, but I couldn't stop thinking of everything that had happened. I finally, after counting about 200 sheep, fell asleep. There he was, my uncle. He was younger and had a big smile on his face. I kid you not, he seemed to be glowing. I was shocked to see him look this way after what I saw earlier that night. And yet I saw him bright and smiling. I felt happy, almost energized. 
Hita, tell my kids I'm okay. I couldn't believe my ears. Why? Why can't you? I, I think they would want to hear it from you. I asked him. I wasn't asking to be disrespectful. I genuinely thought they wouldn't want to hear it from me. That sounded a little too far-fetched. They aren't ready to hear it from me, he said. My eyes flew open at the sound of my alarm. Did he? He just... I was visited by my uncle in my dream. He gave me a task. A few days later at the funeral, I told two of the three kids. The other wasn't ready to hear it. She was very grief-stricken, and I didn't think she would take it well or believe me. I barely believed me, and I was there. So first of all, whenever somebody shares a story with me, that is so personal like that about a loved one passing away. I just feel so honored that they're, you know, feeling comfortable enough to share that with me because it is, those are special stories. And oh God, visitation dreams, they're the best. I, I, I love them. I wake up and they're so crystal clear and it's phenomenal. So after reading her experience, we chatted a little bit about it through Messenger and she shared with me that after the death of her uncle, it was then that she realized that she could smell sickness and death. She admits that there have been times she's at a store and she's like standing behind an elderly person and she'll smell death. That would be really eerie knowing that they're close to the end. Yeah, that's just very interesting. I've smelled phantom smells before, but not like to that extent. So very interesting stuff indeed. Bats in moonlight flight, ghosts whisper in the cool night, Halloween's delight. Next up is my friend and past guest, Bruce Burnett, the man behind Discover Tombstone and a huge part of the Tombstone Paracon. Every time I go out there, I really do enjoy catching up with him. Here's a tragic tale of two boys snatched from life too soon, now resting at Boot Hill Graveyard. There's a truly tragic marker in Boot Hill Graveyard. The cairn on top the bodies of the Brady brothers, John, age 11, and Frank, age 12. To look at the San Pedro River, as it often is, running low and less than a foot deep, it can be hard to imagine how someone could drown. But there are times when the water runs deep, driven by monsoon rains. We have seen the river run viciously fast and bank to bank. The details are not perfect, except that the two brothers drown in the river, one trying to save the other. A desperate tale of heroism gone wrong. The love for a brother that cost both their lives. World-famous Boot Hill Graveyard became their final resting place and a prime example of how not everyone buried there were victims of gunplay and lawlessness. Oh, those poor sweet Brady brothers. They died so incredibly young and in such a horrible way, drowning. I always told people, I think that would be like one of the worst ways to go, drowning. Every time I'm at Boot Hill, I always make sure to go visit their resting place. Rest in peace, sweet little boys. And Bruce has one more thing to share. Let me tell you about Haunted Tombstone, Smoke Signals, The Outlaw Social Club, and Poltergeists. So just what is going on at Smoke Signals? A few things, according to sales staffers, owner Suzanne, and tourists. Suzanne and others have had numerous experiences when opening the store of hearing activity in the front when they are in the back and vice versa when no one else is in the shop. Also, there is a section of the cigar humidor in which a former employee, James, used to keep his cigars. James unfortunately passed away but makes his presence known. In the mornings, the sliding glass humidor door is open on the side that James used to keep his cigars. I've checked out these sliding doors many times, as I am an enjoyer of fine cigars. And these glass doors, for sure, 
do not open themselves. They really aren't easy to open at all. And yet the doors seem to slide open a few inches at night quite often and only where James's cigars were. Then there is a derby hat that once belonged to Suzanne's departed husband that sits on a shelf high in the store. The trouble is that it doesn't always just sit there. It has been found on the floor many times in the morning and has even come off the shelf and landed many feet away while staff is working with customers. There are no AC vents that are in the area to blow the hat off. There are a couple of ceiling fans, but they don't move much air and certainly not strong enough to move the derby in any way, shape, or form. They don't even affect T-shirts that are hanging on the wall. According to former employee Dylan, he has worked with customers showing them a gun and had the hat hit the floor right next to the customers. And that's a good 10 feet or more from where the hat sits on the shelf. Poltergeist activity? We think so. Sometimes referred to as the Outlaw Social Club, you can get cigars, guns, and possibly ghosts within its wall. Very cool. And I have been to Smoke Signals. It is a very cool place for sure. You know, they had pointed out to me where the hat is. And very sad that he is gone. May he rest in peace. But I think it is very cool that he is still around. And he damn well lets it be known that he is still around. Like Bruce, I too am a fan of a fine cigar. And I will have to go buy some next time I am out there next year. Who knows, maybe I'll see that hat move or maybe it'll be thrown in my direction. Beneath the Wild West, outlaws ride with lawless pride. Justice put to test. Okay, my witches, <laughs> final tell comes from my dear friend, Angie Velasquez, past guest on the radio show and podcast, voiceover as well. She's my traveling buddy as we have had adventures throughout Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. And who knows where else in the future. Hello, everyone. My name is Angela Velasquez, and I am a paranormal investigator. And one of the places I like to go visit is St. James Hotel in Cimarron, New Mexico. This place is pretty haunted, in my opinion. And it has had many famous guests in the past, like Wyatt Earp, Jesse James, Doc Holliday, just to name a few. I have a paper here, and it it's it describes the house rules of the hotel. It's pretty interesting, and I'd like to read that. So, okay, the house rules. So, guests of the hotel will please bear in mind that we will not be responsible for either of their lives or their property. There are places convenient where valuables may be deposited for safekeeping and where life and accident insurance policies may be secured. The next rule, guests are requested to use proper care and caution when shooting at other guests in the dining room as a reckless discharge of firearms is liable to result in the unnecessary killing of innocent and unsuspecting parties. Rule three, it says guests will be expected to pay for whatever tableware they break in throwing at one another. This rule will be insisted upon. Rule four, if guests have any complaint to make regarding the conduct of waiters, they will please not come to us about it. The waiters carry pistols and are supposed to know how to use them, and they will settle their own difficulties. Okay, guests must not put their feet on the tables, especially if ladies are present. The act may be harmless enough, but there are fastidious people who object to it, and we are here to cater to the highest and most refined class of society. And the next one is guests who are not willing to sleep in the same bed with another guest need not stop at this hotel. We do not care for the patronage of people who want the earth with the moon thrown in for a dollar. This hotel positively will not bear part of the funeral expenses of people who get killed while stopping here. Not even those who are forced to shoot in the interest of society and good order. Next rule. Guests wishing to attract the attention of the waiter are requested to call or whistle for him. This is better than shooting him through the ear or nose. And besides, it will save funeral expenses. And the last rule. 
the public will bear in mind that this is no cheap house, but that it is a first-class, high-toned hotel. Therefore, guests are expected to conduct themselves in a gentlemanly, well-bred manner. This will be strictly insisted on, even if it be necessary to resort to use your firearm. Interesting. Also, so I have gunfights. I have the names of people who were involved in, in some gunfights there at the St. James Hotel. So in 1872, Clay Allison shot Tom Sunday. Chuck Colbert shot C. Morris. Wall I. Henderson shot Pomeroy Laughlin. Wall I. Henderson shot Jim Davis. 1873, a posse shot, I hope, I don't know how to even pronounce this, Le Luciano Buteris outside of the hotel. Clay Allison shot John Black. Clay Allison shot B. Cooper. And Henry Lambert killed Jay Garcia. Henry Lambert was the owner of the hotel, him and his wife. And anyway, he shot a few people. So in 1874, Clay Allison shot Frank Harris. 1875, Clay Allison killed Manuel Cardenas. Clay Allison killed five black soldiers. Clay Allison was on a roll. Uh, Francisco Pancho Griego killed three black soldiers. Clay Allison shot Francisco Pancho Griego. Davy Crockett II shot Juan Borrego. In 1876, Gus Hafferon, Davy Crockett II, killed three black soldiers. 1881, Joe McCurdy killed John Stewart. 1882, Bob Ford killed Bill Curran. And you know Bob Ford also killed Jesse James, but not on the, or the same place, I mean. 1884, Prairie Dog Payne shot Frank Shook. Henry Lambert killed Thomas Rodriguez. That's a lot of death in that hotel. So it's not unreasonable to think that some spirits are still lingering there. So I had the good fortune to go with my good friend, Tessa Morrow, and we went and stayed in the Mary Lambert room, which is Henry Lambert's wife. And we stayed in her room the middle of September and had a wonderful time. We had a great time the hotel was was wonderful there wasn't very many people there at the time and so anyway tessa and i did some evp work and really interesting tj is a guest who was shot and killed by henry lambert i believe it was over a card game and tj was shot and killed entering his room which is room 18 and that room is padlocked shut nobody can enter it and anyway, this room of TJ's is directly across the hall from where we stayed in the Mary Lambert room. So one of my EVPs, I asked, I, I think it was, is anyone around or around me or something like that? But then you hear a gunshot and it is, it's no mistaking, it's a gunshot. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting and hopefully Tessa can get that put into this story so everyone can hear it, but I just thought it was really kind of a cool EVP. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy hearing it. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Oh my god, those rules are just too damn hilarious. True old wild Riley West rules at its finest. And I love that she shared the rules and some of that bloody history Like she said, Clay Allison, that dude was on a freaking roll. Several murders and several shootouts. That's that's wild. Clay was a Confederate during the Civil War. I believe I've mentioned him in the past in different episodes. Not only did he have those encounters that Angie mentioned, but he was also involved in quite a few posses helping lynching people and other deaths spanning not only New Mexico, but several states as well. So Angie had sent me this EVP that she's talking about, and I'm going to play that now. You're going to hear her ask a question, and you're going to hear what really sounds like a gunshot. So here we go. So when we were sitting in the hallway talking to TJ, I captured what sounds like a gunshot. 
that's crazy. Okay, so I'm going to play that one more time. So that is really wild. You could definitely hear that shot. I can definitely hear that shot. So I'm going to play that one more time, just the shot itself. Not the question, but the shot. And so I just need to set the scene. Our room was the Mary Lambert room, like Angie said. And we were literally right across from the room that is completely cordoned off to the public. Like totally padlocked. You can't get in there. And that is in that doorway and that threshold is where TJ was killed by Henry Lambert because he won the rights to the hotel in a poker game. And I don't think Lambert was going to have any of that. That was his baby. That was his business, his establishment that he worked so hard with having. And so, you know, he had to go, unfortunately. And that was so unfortunate for TJ. But not only did so many people die via gunshot in that hotel and around the hotel outside, but also right there in that very doorway. So the fact that she got this recording, and I'll have to listen to my recordings as well, because I too was recording. So there you have it. A gunshot right in front of TJ's room and by Mary Lambert's room. Moons, ghostly embrace. Shadows dance in eerie grace. Halloween's embrace. Parties in Amsterdam take place on November 11th, Saint Martin, a children's festival where the children roam the streets carrying lanterns that resemble sugar beets or turnips. They go door to door and sing songs in exchange for candy. Love it. Again, it's cute seeing the kids sing instead of like trick or treat. I don't know. Maybe today when they come, I'm going to say, sing me a song, maestro. I might get egged. Maybe I won't do that. Okay, so throughout this episode, you heard several different people share encounters with the paranormal and supernatural. Some were heartwarming where a family member was giving a message and others were more on the eerie side and some were funny like the monkey story love it i laughed great times like seriously makes me want to go to the cemetery screw the vampire i want to see the damn monkey also heard some traditions celebrated halloween style throughout the world i found this neat article about this castle in reader's digest just a couple paragraphs, just want to read it. Seemed interesting. Quote, This castle was first built in the 14th century, and it's where the Queen Mother, the late mother to Queen Elizabeth II, grew up. It's also said to be populated by a bevy of ghosts, including the Grey Lady or the Lady of Glass, otherwise known as the Lady Janet Douglas. She's accused of murdering her husband by poisoning him and of using witchcraft to take down King James V of Scotland. The Grey Lady was burned at the stake in 1537 in Edinburgh. Her ghost is said to run up the stairs in the clock tower, leaving a trail of ash in her wake. A woman with no tongue has also been seen roaming the park around the castle, and the ghost of an 18th century boy servant who had been terribly mistreated, is said to haunt a seat near the door of the queen's bedroom. The most famous ghost is Earl Beardy, or the Earl of Crawford. This noble visited the castle in the 15th century, and one night he got drunk and demanded that someone play cards with him. If no one would, the earl declared that he would play with the devil himself. A mysterious hooded man dressed in black showed up at Glamis and offered to play. And by the next morning, the Earl had vanished, and visitors to the castle have reported hearing swearing, loud voices, dice, and clinking glasses. So in that very short story alone, it covered witchcraft, murder, royalty, a legend that had to do with playing cards with the devil and several ghosts and haunts that are happening there. So pretty nifty, pretty nifty, my friends.
Hoping everybody has a spectacular, spooktacular haunting evening. Whatever you plan to do, stay safe and have a blast. Happy Halloween, everybody. This bonus episode's Spooky City shoutouts go to... Munich, Germany. Sydney, Canada. Huntington Park, California. Burhampur, India. Heath, Texas. And Rhineville, Kentucky. Again, everybody, hopefully you have an amazing Halloween. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They're all spine-tingling. Haven't heard every single one yet. Binge listen to your heart's delight and fright. Hey, I like that. I might copyright that. (laughs) Just kidding. By hitting up any of those spooky podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, wherever you may roam to hear other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. The biggest of shout-outs to Brittany Barberi, Steve Kawamura, Richie Lee, Buttercup the Cat, Meow, Casey Morrow, Mercedes Benedict, Jeff Atkins, Elizabeth Williams, Bruce Burnett, Angie Velasquez, and your host with the most ghoulishness, Tessa Morrow. Thanks, everybody, and I will see you next week.